This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. And in today's show, Kelvin talks to John Hibbett, technical SEO analyst at Site Visibility, about current SEO concerns in the travel industry. Enjoy. So recently, um, John, you sat down with a number of people who are working client side in the travel industry and talked to them about some of the challenges they were facing, some of the problems they were coming across and some of the potential solutions that they were finding to make sure that these travel websites were doing particularly well from an SEO perspective. Were there any kind of big things that they were worried about when you sat down with them? What were some of the topics that were top of mind that they really wanted to discuss? I know mobile was one that kind of you mentioned might be an area that they they had stuff to talk about yeah mobile getting as it got uh termed was was very much big on the agenda um and it was interesting because some businesses had clearly prepared for it and others hadn't but i guess this was this was easy to spot because the smaller businesses were, were using mobile responsive sites on wordpress and so on so they were pretty much covered and didn't have a lot to worry about but for the bigger bigger guys yeah this was a real issue um, but it was also paired with a, with a certain cynicism of the impact. Okay. So they were, they were uncertain that they, that they weren't expecting there to be a big impact from mobile well, changes they, or just that they weren't bought into mobile as a whole? They were just a little bit suspicious maybe of, of the, um, the reasons for, for the algorithmic update. Okay. And, and they, weren't, they were less than certain about how this was going to impact on rankings. And I think generally that was something that, that people were talking about around mobile getting to. Yeah. And I know kind of the, so there was this big pre-announced mobile update, which kind of got known as um, you know, mobile getting or, or however you <laughs> pronounce it. Um, but yeah, and it's certainly the, the, the feedback I've seen since is that perhaps we maybe got a bit overexcited as an industry and that, you know, we're expecting more of the update than perhaps there was. Is that something that kind of like you've seen since as well? You've got a sense that maybe uh, people have got a bit overexcited about the potential impact of mobile ranking, you know, rankings working differently? I, I think that's that's a maybe. There's certainly some examples around on, on the net where there's been studies done and you can see that there there are definite shifts towards those sites that are mobile friendly in the rankings. Um, so I, I think over time we're going to see more data coming out and, and that data will, will probably pile up to, to say that, you know, being mobile friendly is a good thing. Yeah. Um, regardless of rankings, you know, you've got to take it from the user perspective. You know, users want to find stuff fast, whatever device they're on. Uh, anything that gets in the way of that is is obviously a problem. And so site search, another topic that came up there then. So this was a kind of, you know, I know for travel websites, often database driven, often, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pages. Was there internal site search? Is that something that was often falling to the, the search marketer to take responsibility for? Absolutely. Um, I mean, since the, the removal of keywords in Google Analytics with a not provided situation, um, marketers have lost a key source of, of the intent of their customers. And where those customers are falling, falling by the wayside in terms of not being able to navigate those travel websites, having a search box um, not only solves the customer problem, but it's perfect for the marketer to grab those keywords, which can then go on to inform um, part of their content strategy ultimately. So if they can understand the the ways in which people are searching on their website, that can be a really good indication of the ways in which they're searching on other websites like Google, for example. 
Well, absolutely. And, and you're getting that intent. You're getting that customer intent of what they're looking for. And, and this is particularly advantageous where there's something that you're not doing and people are searching for it on your site, a destination perhaps um, for a travel website that's not featured. And, you know, you see a volume of search around that. Clearly, there's, there's an opportunity. Mm. And often, yeah, like you say, it's that intent behind it. It's the emotion behind it. So someone might be searching using a kind of adjective that you'd never think to use, which you can then reflect in your copy or they're, they're searching based upon a kind of metric that ought to be a filter. You know, I think that's a good one that, you know, recently I've been looking at, at villas to hire, for example, in the travel space. And it's the kind of actually, I really wanted to know if they had Wi-Fi or not. So, you know, the <laughs> fact that like those types of search, if you can see people searching on your site for that, that's, a, that's something that you can use to inform that as well. Is that that's you know, absolutely many, it. That's absolutely it. Yeah. And what were the challenges that they're facing around site search? Did did many feel that they'd got that right, their internal search well, or was that something that they felt there was a lot of opportunity for improvement? The bigger players have got this down pat, but the smaller guys, some of them are just not aware of it. They just they just haven't considered it really. So big opportunities there on that side of things. Definitely. And of course I know whenever you get any um, group of people together who are interested in search marketing, one of the the big topics that's going to come up in conversation is outreach and link building. What were some of the trends when you sat down recently with these travel companies? What were the, the things that they were you know, doing to, to solve the outreach puzzle? Well, unsurprisingly, the, the, the knowledge of the algorithmic penalties such as Penguin is, is very high. Um, and they're trying to harmonize more with Google's guidelines. But earning links is really hard. Um, and a lot of them now, they understand that this goes beyond just doing SEO in the old school methods. And, and they understand that social, social media and social signals is a key part of getting this outreach done. And largely, that's what they're doing. They're going through Twitter um, and other, other social networks to try and get those links. Travel's really interesting for that reason, isn't it? Because there are people writing about it. So, you know, some of the sectors that we, we work on at Site Visibility, some of the industries, the, the challenge is that there are no publishers, there are no bloggers, there are no social media users talking about it, or certainly not high numbers of them. Whereas travel, I imagine it's probably almost quite the opposite of that, that actually there are lots of people writing about it. There are lots of publications covering it. There are lots of hobbyist bloggers, but how you deal and, and build relationships with those are probably kind of quite interesting were there any that any particular stories or things that you know that they found that they were using to be successful in terms of working with bloggers was there any patterns there or that wasn't something that that really got discussed um but certainly what what they did point out was the the changes to google plus and the loss of authorship Uh, i think there's a general sentiment in the travel industry that this this was so well suited to to the industry that they felt very very um disappointed that Google dropped this and they kind of like, they took it almost as like as an insult to the industry in a way. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think that, you know, for a long time when I used to talk about Google Plus and authorship, so for people who are perhaps less familiar with that, that would be where the the image and some details of the author of that page would be pulled through into the search results. When you search for, you know, best places to stay in Andalusia, if there was a, a journalist who'd written about that, you could see the photo of the journalist right there in the, the search results. But often kind of whenever I was talking about why authorship was challenging was that actually lots of pages on websites aren't really authored in that way. Like it makes sense. Oh, of course, someone wrote it. Yes. But who writes the 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 description of that hotel, you know, or who writes that description? You know, there's not necessarily an author, a person behind that in the same way there would be a, a news article or a, a blog post. So it seems interesting that, that like the, you know, people in the travel industry sort of saw the removal of that as a bit of a step backwards, but certainly kind of fits, you know, into this um, general trend that we've seen 
um, on Google Plus of the rolling back of Google Plus, where Google's big ambitions for it sort of scaled back a little bit. That's that's really true, and and like you know, a lot of them they still see the value of a business place and the local optimization, and of course, there's the the YouTube connection, um, which is valuable where you can have the plus symbols if you connect your your YouTube account with your um, your Google Plus page. So they, they, you know, they see those as must have still. But I think generally, in terms of their their strategy, you know, Google Plus has diminished a bit as a result of the loss of authorship. And and, and around that content and the the stuff that you know, the content that goes into you know providing Google with a sense of what your business is about, was their focus predominantly on kind of going off and working with third parties, or was it building content on their own websites? Were they were they blogging, for example? Is that kind of a big trend? There was a com- there was a combination, and a lot of it was based on the skill set within the company and the size of the company. So, for example, a lot of the smaller players on on the blogging front with their with their WordPress site, for example, were less were less positive about blogging. Okay, probably because of the the work and the effort required to create that content get it out and also the challenges of finding really good bloggers um that sort of understood their brand and were able to translate their tone of voice um it's quite hard to do isn't it if you, you know regardless of the type of business that you are if you've got an opportunity to publish you, you know it's very it's somewhat easier to produce content that's just the functional areas of your website where it's kind of you know um quite business-like but actually a blog because there's this onus to publish frequently. It's quite hard to get that tone of voice right, yeah. It really, it really is a challenge. And, and to tie that back to the brand so it's consistent as well. Um, yeah, so the smaller guys was, were saying that was a big problem. And, and the bigger players were had, either had in, in-house teams that were working hard on it and getting good results, especially with social media, um, or, or they were, yeah, they were outsourcing. Interesting. So one final question, um, one area that I know you had a conversation about and um, that was quite interesting was another technical thing around HTTPS. Um, what were the, you know, so HTTPS, a secure um, version of a website, something that Google have been really encouraging people to to switch from the non-secure to the secure. How did these travel clients, that any, had any of them made that change? Had many of them seen an impact, positive or negative? Um, how did that work out for them? Yes, well, some some clients had made the switch to HTTPS on the basis that they would get a ranking benefit. So yeah, Google have been have been pushing HTTPS and, and have said that there's now a ranking factor um, and it will have some influence on, on ranking position. However, some of them had switched and seen significant drops in traffic. Okay. We're, so, we're talking 50% yeah. on some Blimey. sites. So, so from that perspective, from those people, it's like the advice from Google might well be actually moved to HTTPS, but the, the reality that we've seen or heard from these particular travel clients was, perhaps that's not always the you know uh, you know proceed with caution i think it is proceed with caution and, and if you're going to make the switch make sure you're fully fully aware of all the technical issues that you'll need to surmount in order to do it i think that's it interesting isn't it that there's i think um uh, particularly with technical seo often there's a um best case scenario is you do it in this way but sometimes it's kind of you know don't jump ahead of yourself and you think for all of the ramifications and Often with anything, um, I think, to do with search marketing at the moment, you've got to think, does this make sense um, in the broader context? So if you could see that moving to HTTPS would have other value other than just SEO, then maybe you could it would justify some other losses. Or you know, if you're going to be blogging, are you doing it for more than just the reasons of SEO? And I think that's a, you know, a good lesson, I think, for all of us is, is actually search is important. There's a lot you can do to improve your website from a search perspective. 
but actually has this fit into the broader context. And I think that's probably a, a good lesson for everyone to take on that side of things. So thanks so much for that, John. Um, really interesting session I know happened at the last Brighton SEO. I know we're going to be running these types of course, um, types of roundtables again. So we will continue to keep sharing with you some of the learnings and findings we get from the people right at the, the coalface of various sectors. Um, and yeah, you know, if you're working in travel, even if you're not working in travel, let us know if you've heard or you've had any kind of experiences of these topics, particularly that around HTTPS. I'd love to hear from people. Have you switched to HTTPS recently for SEO reasons? What's that impact been like? And you know, we'd love to hear from you on that side of things. So I'll get Andy, as always, to do his lovely um, share of all of the ways you can get in contact with us. Um, but look forward to hearing from you again soon. So thanks so much, John. Thank you. And see you all again soon. Well, thank you very much for that, Kelvin. And thanks for listening, listeners. Uh, show notes, as usual, at sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, and there's two ways of getting in touch with us. Email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk, and the telephone is plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. if you want to leave a question or a comment. We'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. What's new in podcasting? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being completely straight mm-hmm. and 10 being completely gay, what number are you? Um, you know, I don't think that you should rank how gay they are. I guess, I, you know, that's just a little of a red, just a flag for me. Come on, come out. A weekly podcast where real lesbians tell their real coming out stories. You can find Come On, Come Out on your favorite podcatcher out now. Go listen. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.